Well, welcome, friends. It is so fun to be with you today. So fun to be with you as you are gathering in your living rooms and in your homes uh, this morning for worship. And so, as always, we're going to spend just a couple of minutes uh, taking up the morning offering. Um, as uh, Jason was talking about a little bit earlier, what has been so fun and what has been the goodness of God is that the Hope Center has been fueled by the generosity of this place for years. And now when there's a season of great need, God has already preloaded all of that so that we can respond with the generosity of heaven to it. And so that's why we give on Sunday mornings. That's why we continue to be generous people serving a generous God. And so the way that we're going to do that, because we're not gathering in person anymore, is we're going to do that by giving online or you can text in to give. It's real simple. Go to our website at connect, the number two, riverside.com, and just click on give. And you can practice your generosity even in this season where we're not meeting. It's how me and my wife have chosen to do it because it helps us be faithful in our generosity as uh, we are continuing to grow in that. And so let's pray over our morning offering and thank God um, for his generosity. And so God, everything we have is yours. Thank you that we get to trust you with it all. God, thank you for this opportunity again to gather as the people of God, to say to the world, God, that although the world may be feeling like it's coming to a, a little bit of a pause, the people of God never get off mission. And for that reason, God, we get to be generous with all of our stuff. So thank you, Father, for trusting us with what you trust us to, that we get to be stewards of the resources. And so we give back to you what already belongs to you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Again, so fun to be with you guys in your living room this morning uh, and following along with us uh, live stream. And so just want to take a second to tell you that, yes, we are in the book of Romans. We have been setting aside a whole year to walk through the book of Romans. It is the deep end of the swimming pool, if you will. This is where you and I get the clearest picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so for 11 chapters, Paul has been building and just building um, perfect theology, perfect understanding about the revelation of Jesus Christ, or who he is, what his character is like, what the nature of Jesus is like. For 11 chapters, Paul has been mainly concerned with theology, about getting good theology in our heads. And now there's the hinge chapter of chapter 12, where Paul takes that and says, listen, Good theology about God should always lead to right doxology. Or it might say, we might say it this way. Right thinking about God, understanding who he is, should always lead to a right response. It should lead you and I to walk it out with our feet so that it's never just here, but it's with our whole lives. And wouldn't you just know it this morning, friends, that if... I had to pick a particular passage for us in the season that we find ourselves in that it just so happens to align with where we are in the book of Romans this morning. I'm super excited that you're tuning in this morning because I think that God has a very timely message for you this morning. And so as we jump into the scripture, you can make your way in your Bibles over to Romans chapter 12 or open up your Bible app at connectthenumber2riverside.com and just scroll to the app and click on it and you can follow along with us this morning. But Paul is going to give us a list of about 30 exhortations or 30 um, things he implores the followers of Christ to do. And we don't have time to go over all 30 of them this morning. We're going to cover just a few of them. 
But the longer the temptation is, the longer that you find yourself in church, or the longer that you call yourself a Christian, there's a temptation to believe that these are a list of things that you need to do, like a checklist, if you will. And what Paul wants to show you this morning is if you do that, you've missed the first 11 chapters of Romans. That's not, it's not a checklist that we abide by, but what Paul wants you to see this morning by these 30 exhortations, by about seven that we're going to look at together this morning, is that these are the symptoms of a gospel-infected life. We've been talking a lot about symptoms uh, the last couple of weeks. And we've said things, well, do you have this symptom? Do you have this symptom? And then you have this symptom, then you might have that. And Paul is going to kind of say the same thing to us this morning. Listen, if the gospel, if you've been infected by the gospel of Jesus Christ, these are the symptoms that should show up in your life. And so a couple of weeks ago, we, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, we talked about that now we offer our bodies back to Christ as a living sacrifice. It's how we worship God by saying, this whole thing belongs to you. And then last week, Jason did a beautiful job about talking about how we begin to interact in the body. And so this morning, Paul is going to dial us in even further to say, this is how biblical community, the body, the family, the people of God should interact. These are the symptoms that should show up in our lives. And so let's jump into it this morning. Romans chapter 12, we'll start in verse 9. It says this, love must be sincere. You got to hate what is evil and cling to what is good. And so for followers of Jesus Christ, you cannot pretend to love people. You got to really love people. Even the people you disagree agree with, even the people that drive you nuts, even the people that maybe you necessarily don't even really join, uh, enjoy being around. See, the book of Rome was written to the church in Rome. And Rome, the church at Rome, was full of all different types of people, um, different ethnic backgrounds backgrounds, different socio-economical standards. Some were rich, some were poor, some were free, some were bond servants, some were Jews, some were Gentiles. And wouldn't you just happen to know that when the people of God, when the church began to come together, that all of these frictions began bumping up and rubbing up against one another. And what Paul is imploring the people of God to do is to say, when you get together when you show up at your friend's barbecue and you're a Jewish person and you show up to a Gentile's barbecue and they got a pig on the spit and they be roasting that tasty pig and it could possibly be offensive to you, right in the middle of that, Paul says this, you can't pretend to really love people. You got to really, really love people. Love must be sincere. Now, question for you and your family this morning as you're sitting in your living room. Anybody ever, this past couple weeks, you ever bumped up, to, up against some people that maybe it's not real enjoyable to be around? Maybe that person on the H-E-B aisle that's like hoarding all of the toilet paper or all of the peanut butter or all of the uh, paper napkins or paper towels. You're like, oh my goodness. Paul has a lot to say to that. He says, love them anyways. Your love must be sincere because what Paul wants you to see that when you see the edges of somebody else, like when you see the edges of me, the closer you get to me, you're going to see my edges. Paul is going to show us that it points to the same thing, 
that it points to our need for a Savior. And if you hold out, if you wait to only love perfect people, I mean, get comfortable, friends. You better pull up a chair because you're going to be waiting for a really long time. Paul says, love them anyways, right smack dab in the middle of it. Why? Because that's what Christ did for you. When you did not have your stuff together, when God could have been offended at my rebellious heart, he loved me anyways. And he's, so Paul says, let your love be sincere. And then Paul goes on, ever being the, so practical that Paul is, he shows us how to love sincerely. He says this, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. And so Paul says, your love cannot be sincere for somebody else while overlooking what is evil in their life. You can't love somebody sincerely and not cling to what is good for them. Now, I want to be careful of how we talk about this. So what's normal for a lot of us is not sincere love. What I believe normal for the majority of us, and I don't want to hammer on culture, I don't want to get into that, but I think the highest value that we esteem to is tolerance. We're just supposed to tolerate people. And I need to tell you this morning, friends, tolerance is not a biblical value. You cannot tolerate somebody and uh, overlook the evil or the pain in their lives. I cannot genuinely love you and watch you destroy your life with the damaging stuff that you're getting involved with. I can't watch you throw away your marriage and watch you make bad decisions for your family. Like, I can't watch you continually give yourself over to maybe that addiction day after day and not say something about it. Do you know what the mark of a really good friend is? Do you know what the mark of a true, sincere friend is? Not somebody that, man, we really like to go fishing together. Or man, we really like all the same things. Or we really have a good time together. But the mark of a sincere friend is somebody that will say, John, you're choosing something outside of God's best. And I love you too much not to say anything. A friend is gonna hate the pain in my life, the evil, the, the sin that I may be struggling with. And at the risk of the friendship, they love the friend more than the friendship. The Bible tells us over and over that picture that we are to love the friend more than the friendship. And the beauty of it is the thing that you and I get invited into in this in this beautiful picture of what Paul is painting of a biblical community is that you and I don't have such hardened hearts that we don't allow other people to speak into our lives. That we allow people to call out the stuff in my life and for our hearts to be soft and moldable and to say where we could choose a fence towards them, we could look at them and say, man, that's a faithful friend. It's a faithful friend that clings to the good in my life. And then Paul goes on and he says what that kind of looks like at verse 10. It says this. So be devoted to one another in love. And how in the world are you ever going to be able to speak anybody's life if you're not ever going to get to the point where you are devoted to one another? And so Paul says you got to be devoted to one another in love. <coughs> I think of it as saying it this way. There's no such thing as 5K friendships. There's only marathoners. 
that sincere love will show itself in devotion. Biblical community, the picture that God dreams for you and for us is that you and I are committed over the long haul. That this is not a sprint, that we are people that marathon with people in their journey. That we will love people when, when we can celebrate them and cheer them on. And we will be equally as devoted to them when they're struggling and it's difficult in their lives. Paul goes on and he says, listen, I, I just want to clear something up for you here. Devotion has nothing to do with really your opinion about that person or how you feel about that person. Remember in chapter 12, the whole chapter 12 starts off by saying, in view of God's mercy, what God has done for you, while you were a long way off, God came for you. In his mercy, he did for you what you could not do yourself. And so Paul says, in view of God's mercy, be devoted to one another. Not because of your opinion of them, but because of Christ's devotion to you. Paul goes on, he says, what does that look like? So this is what I want you to do. I want you to honor the next verse, excuse me, in verse uh, 11. Honor one another above yourselves. And here's the game that Paul wants you to play. Try to out-honor one another. Try to out-honor one another. And talk about living so counterculture for us right now. Because every time you turn the news on or you open up any type of social media, there is this culture of just cutting and culture of degrading and the culture of just saying things that are maybe not even true just because you want to disagree with the other person. Even, it's even more painful when you actually disagree with them. It's like this vicious attack on them. And what Paul is saying to us this morning, morning is you have to honor one another above yourself. And we tend to th say things like, well, listen, listen, I'll honor you when you honor me. And Paul would encourage, this encourage us this morning to say, you've missed the whole gospel. You've missed the whole gospel if you're waiting for someone to honor you before you can honor us. Because God honored me when I was a long way off. When I was rebellious, when my heart was a wreck, when I was self-centered and I wandered off. God honored me in that. It said, while we were yet sinners, God gave us Jesus. And now I get to be a co-heir with Christ. I get to seat, have a seat at the place of honor next to him. And yet, why do we withhold honor from other people? Paul, just to be clear, Paul would say, listen, respect and honor are two different things. Respect is, is obviously always earned, but honor is freely given. Because we honor the divine. We honor the beauty of the creation, the God-bearing image in the other person. We honor because we are honorable people. Verse 11 says this. Never be lacking in your zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. And so Paul is saying, listen, this is what sincere love looks like. Don't lose your zeal. Don't lose your excitement for Christ. And so many of us, I know in my relationship with Christ, often it can feel like this roller coaster of emotions that I'm walking through where it's like, man, Sunday was so good. The worship was powerful. And then Monday hits and I'm down. And then Wednesday night comes around and my, man, they play my favorite song and I'm at a great place. And then you know, Thursday, Friday happens. And listen, there's always these natural rhythms of every relationship that we're in. 
But Paul says, don't lose your zeal. Don't lose your excitement for the things of God. Catch this part. This is really important for us, particularly in the season we find ourselves in. Paul would say this, don't trade perseverance for passion. Perseverance is a biblical value. It means steady plotting in the same direction for a long course of time with little or no acclaim. That's perseverance. And we've traded that for passion. Now, we say things like, well, I'm just not passionate about that thing. That's not even what that word means, friends. The word passionate historically in the, in the, in the, in the Christian church has not been um, defined as the thing that excites you, the things you really care about. The passion in, in Latin actually means long-suffering. It's used to describe the long-suffering of Christ. Um, the passion of the Christ is not his excitement on his way to the cross. It's his willingness to have perseverance and endure the suffering. And we've traded that for saying things. Well, I'm just not passionate about those things. And Paul is saying, listen, don't let your passions dictate or be the, um, be the true north for your lives. That can lead us to a dangerous place if all we're ever doing is trading our passions because it, or chasing our passions because then we'll tend to edge out maybe the things that God has called us to. If you set your own passions on the throne to be worshiped, I'm just telling you now, you make a horrible God. You will spend all their days of your life tirelessly chasing after your passions, and God has invited you to something so much more. And so Paul says, don't be lazy. Don't lose your excitement. Don't lose your And so how do you do that, Paul? And then the back side of that verse, it says, you got to serve the Lord. You want to you wanna stoke the fires of your relationship with Christ? Serve somebody. Listen, we've talked about this for weeks, that, that God is for you. It's just not about you. And if you want to fan, fan the flames of your relationship with Christ, get your eyes off yourself and look to meeting the needs of other people, to living an outward-facing life, to go make, to be a disciple that makes other disciples. You will never lose your zeal for serving the Lord when you're on the front line of ministry, constantly asking the Lord, Lord, if you don't come through right now, I don't even know how this is going to happen. I'm counting on you, God, to come through. That will stoke the fires of the zeal in your life is when you get your eyes off yourself and you look towards a world that, where there's lots of needs right now. And Paul, in this last passage, outlines it and says, I'm going to give you three things. And he just hammers on these three things over and over and over in this passage, this last verse that we're going to look at this morning. And it says this, be joyful in hope. Joyful meaning full of joy. Happiness is based on what's happening around you. But joy is found in the joy that we have in, in, in Jesus Christ. So it is possible, brothers and sisters, for us right now, even in the midst of this season, to be people of great joy, not because it's based on the happenings around us, but because we have been anchored into the joy that we have found in Jesus Christ. Nehemiah says, the joy of the Lord is my strength, not the joy of my circumstances, or the joy of, 
being home, the joy of the happenings around me. No, he says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Do you know how to keep your zeal, your excitement for the Lord? Anchor into joy. And then Paul goes on, he says, be patient in your afflictions. Come on, parents. You got your kids home with you for the next three weeks? Now talk about patience. Things not going your way right now? I got good news for you this morning. Your circumstances don't ever get the final word. I mean, no matter how bad your afflictions are, if you are in Christ, you will outlast them. Even if from this day until the day you die, everything goes horribly wrong somehow because of the mercy of God, because of the kindness of God, when you meet Jesus face to face, now we see in part, but one day we will see in full, you will look back over everything that you experienced and you know what you will say? It's worth it. Every, every bit of it was worth it. Every bit of it is worth it. Things not going your way right now, it's not the final word on your life. Maybe you got let go this last week. A lot of people are in financial, honestly, crisis right now. I got good for you, news for you. It's not the final word on your life. You a business owner and had to feel the heartbreak of letting go employees? It's not the final word on your life. Has this brought tension up in your marriage? It's not the final word on your life. Jesus shows up at the tomb of his best, one of his best friends, Lazarus, who's been in the grave for three days. And guess what? Even death doesn't get the final word. Paul says, be patient in your inflictions. Why? Because if the tomb is empty, anything is possible. Jesus is always in the impossible business. He takes down, the, he takes this broken down mess of a thing and he breathes, he infuses life into it. And now when he sees me, he sees the righteousness of his son. Guys, that is impossible. God is always in the impossible business. And then Paul goes on, he says, listen, be faithful in prayer. Imagine how your life would look so different if right now, every time you had a worry, every time you had anxiety about the circumstances, that was an invitation for prayer, to be faithful to God in prayer. So tomorrow, I'm really excited to tell you that we are starting an initiative for the whole community, that for the next three weeks leading up to Easter on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, our community is going to be engaging in a prayer and fast leading up to Resurrection Sunday. It's going to be an opportunity, whether you've ever fasted before or not, Maybe you don't even know what that is. We're going to be putting together some resources in your hand tomorrow afternoon. And my prayer, my encouragement is that we will take the words of Paul seriously. That we are the type of people that will be faithful in prayer. That when the world tells us there's much to worry about, you and I are the type of people that say we're going to be faithful to God in prayer. So please be on the lookout for that tomorrow. And bring it at home. Paul says this. Share with the Lord's people who are, in, who are in need. Do you want intimacy with the Lord? Take your eyes off yourself. Remind yourself that God, yes, he's for you, but he's not just about you. It's not just about you. Everywhere you look right now, particularly right now in the season that we find ourselves in, there are people in great need. I drove through the Target Center, I'm sure like 
Many of you have driven past a lot of businesses and it's business after business after business with sign down the door, closed. Now, I believe, friends, this is a great, God did not cause, but there's a great opportunity for the people of God right now. The need is great right now. People are struggling. People, needs are gonna be highlighted all around us right now. Paul says to us, share with the Lord's people of those who are in need. Can you imagine? Did you ever think that God has given you more than enough? Maybe because it's not just about you. That what God has given to you, now he wants to use it through you to meet the needs of other people. Too often the people of God, followers of Jesus Christ, are known for one thing. A lot of talking. And if I get to the end of my life... (laughs) And I, when I come to meet Jesus face to face, and I look back at my life, and you say, man, John was a mess. He sure blew it a lot. Man, he, he failed a whole lot. I'll be well satisfied. Because I will be somebody that just didn't love Jesus by talking about it, but that I was somebody that took action to meet the needs of others. Listen, friends, I need to tell you right now, the world is watching how the church of of the people of God will respond. Right now, you have a beautiful opportunity to be radically generous. When the world is telling you there's not enough, when the world is telling you to hoard, to bring it all in, to stockpile, the people of God rally and say, I'll give. It's, it's been freely given to me, so I will give. And even when it doesn't make sense, I'll give sacrificially. Guys, the world is watching. What a privilege you and I have right now to be radically generous with our stuff. And lastly, Paul closes it, by, closes it down, our passage this morning, by saying, practice hospitality. I want to be clear about this. For the last, I don't know, forever, I've thought hospitality is the ability to like, hey, when people come to your house, you want to, you want to clean your house. You don't want to leave all your stuff out. Or hey, hospitality is you know how to throw a really good party or you know how to make people feel welcome. That's not what hospitality means. The biblical idea of hospitality is actually this picture of to love the outsider, to love the alien, to love the other. And man, what a beautiful opportunity that you and I have right now to practice hospitality in small and in big ways. When you can, there is so much potential right now to practice hospitality. It is everywhere to love the other right now. I don't know if you saw this this last week, but there's a beautiful picture of practicing hospitality that's been floating around on the web everywhere. It's a video of a grandmother who for years has gone out and waved to a school bus. And it's a beautiful picture of hospitality. I want you to watch that right now. (laughs) Barreling down the road. (laughs) Are you out so they can see you? Yeah, sure. Jerry, you're a funny one. 
That was fun. So that uh, is a video that um, was taken oh, a couple weeks ago that has gone viral, that has gone everywhere, and it was taken by our very own Judy Zimmerman. So I'd ask her to come just share what that, what the practice of hospitality can look like and, and how the, it can impact literally the world. So tell us the story of what happened. It was a perfect day. I did not know what the kids or what the bus driver was going to do, but... Uh, caught it on video and just it's been so fun just to see where it's gone yes. so, so tell us where has it gone well I, I guess it's on this app called TikTok now too <laughs> which I don't know anything about it but there's over 45 million views yeah. um, it's gone national all of the local TV stations started picking it up uh, on my Facebook page they saw it on a, a page that was I grew up in Iowa yeah. and I talked about just the small town communities and so it's so heartwarming to see, I mean, those kids, to take the time yeah. to do that for my mom. Yeah. Uh, for my mom, just to see that joy, yeah. I mean, it, it made her day. Yeah. And she is, that, who she, that is who she is yeah. in Hartley, Iowa. Yeah. That's naturally who yeah. she is, but, and everyone knows that there. But now the world kind of knows. Yeah. And it's been picked is. up everywhere, hasn't it? So it has. Um, CBS Morning Show aired it the <laughs> other day. Uh, Fox News uh, show has picked it up. Uh, we've been reached out from the Kelly Clarkson show. Uh, they may want to try and air it, so we're working on that. But um, even Millie Bobby Brown, uh, Kristen Bell, they posted it on Instagram. <laughs> it is a it's, wild it's story. Crazy. Yeah. Thank you, Judy. But I want you to see the picture of what it looks like to practice just hospitality, of how simple it can be to go out day after day, year after year, and what a difference a wave can make in somebody's life. Such a be the beautiful fruit of, of a good example of practicing hospitality. And so friends, this morning, just as an encouragement to us, as we find ourselves in this season, this is still something that we can do. We can be people that practice radical hospitality by loving the people around us. It's something as simple as just waving to our neighbors, to meeting needs around us, to practicing generosity, to pouring in to the Hope Center, for you and I to be people that lift our eyes up off ourselves and off our circumstances and love the other. So as we close together in worship, we're going to sing and worship together and we'll lean into that idea of practicing hospitality. <laughs> 